As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. And we're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. Today we talked with Brennan Dunn, founder of PlanScope, author of Double Your Freelancing Rate, and a number of other books and courses. He talks all about how he uses one list to market all of his products and how he also leaves the door open to sell any number of future products or services. We learned a lot about how we're doing things the wrong way, and I think you will too. 
Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. We're here with Brennan Dunn. Uh, Brennan has started a consultancy and has since transitioned into products, namely PlanScope. He also has a number of informational products for consultants. So, Brennan, thank you. Thank you for yep. joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, tell us a little bit about you getting started. Um, you were doing a consultancy. You built it up to 10 uh 10 employees, and why did you decide to change, and what did that look like for you? Uh, really, there were two factors. The first and most important was the fact that we had some health issues at home that kind of required me to not be out of the house as much as I used to be. So that really was the core thing. But secondly, um, you know, I was responsible for bringing in $100,000 a month in client work, and that got a little stressful over time. Sure. So I, you know, I, I looked up to people who had products and who were making recurring revenue through products and I wanted to be there too. So instead of building things for other people, I started building stuff for myself. So what was your first step in stepping away from the agency? Uh, the first was definitely, I took Amy Hoy's 30 by 500 course, which was probably the thing that kind of set my head straight on, you know, that there's more like you don't need to go down the typical startup route of, you know, some millions of users and raising money and all that kind of stuff. Right. So this was I want to say three years ago, I took her class, which um, set me down the path of building PlanScope. And um, that was definitely the first step. And I launched PlanScope, did the typical startup you know, let's try to advertise it and let's try to, you know, pay for traffic and all the stuff that ended up kind of fizzling out. Um, and the interesting thing is after I started teaching, after I started writing books and teaching classes and uh, curating both a newsletter and a podcast, PlanScope's growth has just been tremendous as a result. So, you know, I, I made a lot of money through information products, which also helped me make even more money with PlanScope. Very cool. Um, so you've done amazing work with lists. It's one of the things that you're, um, you're kind of known for. Tell us a little bit about, um, how you started out building your list and give us an idea of where you are today. So it's, it's kind of funny. I really didn't start out thinking that I was going to build up a list or a newsletter or an audience or anything like that. I, pre-sold my first book, Double Your Freelancing Rate, and I, I felt bad for taking money and not giving anything in return. So I decided to just email the uh, buy the customers each week with excerpts of what I was writing and kind of what I was focusing on next and you know just kind of summing up what I was doing. And I did this until I launched the book. And after launching the book, I was really at a crossroads. I could either shut it down, you know, shut down the list and just deliver the book or I could keep it up. Mm -hmm. So I, just, I, I kept writing new content for the customers of my book. And I got this email from one of the subscribers saying that he was forwarding it on to a friend of his each week and that his friend wanted to be on the list, but wasn't really ready to buy the book yet. And <laughs> like light bulb moment, <laughs> I was like, oh, I could actually make this like a public list and who knows, maybe it could even help me sell the book. Because, I mean, the hesitation was, you know, the friend didn't want to buy from this no-name author, right? He wanted, like, people, it's risky, right? You don't want to spend money and spend time reading a book that ends up not helping you. So, 
Um, I've since learned that by giving away stuff for free in the form of a newsletter or uh, just email courses or whatever else, that you can actually be uh, pretty effective when it comes to, you know, selling books or whatever else you might be selling. So, so to to get to know a bit more about that transition, you just took the W your freelancing rate list and started sending that, uh, sending them your weekly newsletter. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I used Mailchimp for up until last May, and from the beginning, my weekly newsletter, like the list name on Mailchimp, was double your freelancing rate. So yep. it's always been that, even though publicly the name was always uh, Freelancers Weekly, once uh-huh. I made it like an official mailing list. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it came out of a book, and I think that's actually um, my friend Nathan Berry likes to say that. You know, if you're starting an audience, the best thing to do is to kind of create that audience with the intention of a of a single product, right? Like start with a product first to build the audience. And that's effectively what I did without really knowing what, you know, while stumbling in the dark, I guess, right? So I, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was at first a book list and then it became a something much bigger. Now it's almost at about 10,000 people. Wow. So it's grown quite a bit. And most of that was over one year or so that you grew it? I launched, I mean, the list started officially in August of 2012, I want to say. So it's almost been two years. So you talk a lot about this single list that you have, um, and yet you have such a wide range of other products. Um, can you describe kind of the landscape of of what your lists look like? Cause I'm assuming that you do have more than one and some are more specific. Um, the freelancing freelancers weekly being kind of your centralized hub. So that's the magic. I don't use lists any longer. I, um, I, I gave up on MailChimp and moved to a tool called Infusionsoft. And what I love about Infusionsoft is they have no concept of lists. What they have are contacts. You have, you know, people in your database and then each of these contacts have tags. So a tag could be, you know, on my newsletter, took so-and-so course, uh, bought book, you know, subscribes to plan scope, whatever. And all I, what I'm able to do is send out either, uh, tr- you know, broadcast emails or uh, campaign sequences like autoresponders based off the presence or the non-presence of these tags. So I have a big customer database, which I or contact database, which is now at about it's actually more than my newsletter. People with the newsletter tag are at about 10,000 now. Uh, total is higher because I've had people who bought the book and aren't on my list or whatever else. So, um, yeah, that's how I'm doing it these days. I don't, I don't have any concept of lists. I have, con- you know, I have contacts who have um, attributes assigned to them, which and- allow me to do stuff. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Was it always like that even before you started using Infusionsoft? You really just had one single list for everybody? 
No, I did a lot of with MailChimp. I mean, the unfortunate part of MailChimp is let's say you want to, let's say you have a newsletter and you want people to join a, um, an email course, right? And that email course might have the intention of getting people to buy a certain new product for yours. The typical thing you would need to do is you would have like a list for a separate list within MailChimp that people would need to opt into also. And that would be kind of that products list. Um, so back with MailChimp, I, I did have multiple lists, but I've since kind of uh, freed myself, I guess, from that whole concept. And cost-wise, the one thing holding us back from doing something like Infusionsoft is that it's expensive up front. And for someone like yourself that already has products that are selling to the list, it's pretty easy to justify. I think you actually made a pretty big profit by turning that on, right? Yeah, I mean, I... Infusionsoft or Infusionsoft, HubSpot. yeah, Infusionsoft or HubSpot or any of these big kind of like enterprise tools, I wouldn't recommend until. I like to think that if when you're doing a hundred thousand a year in products, it would make sense to do that. But I would really use something like Mailchimp or Aweber and just get it to its capacity until you make that switch. Like I was telling somebody today, um, you can you know use Mailchimp plus. Uh, Gumroad and then use Zapier in between and get a lot of what I'm doing kind of, you know, you can replicate a lot of what I'm doing that way. But, would, would that be by segmenting the list when people buy certain products? Yeah, like you could say you have a product, um, say you want to, like I'm a big fan of accountability courses and that's kind of like the inverse of an email course. So if an email course is meant to sell somebody on a product, an accountability course is kind of like once they bought the product, helping them make the best use of it by sending them like additional content over time or, um, you know, checking in and saying, hey, you know, have you applied X, Y and Z from chapter three yet? And sending them, you know, that a week after they bought or something. So I do a lot of that. And that's also a great way to kind of glue people together from going from like product A to product B. But that could be done easily with, you know, a gumroad Zapier hook that ends up triggering some sort of autoresponder and MailChimp. Yep. This is all super interesting because when we started Minimalytics, we had one list for that and it's actually grown to be our biggest list over time. And it consists of mostly freelancers and agencies, but we haven't done very well at all in keeping that list in contact with us or sending out anything of value really over time. It's been Mm -hmm. pretty quiet. Um, and we thought of that as, an, as a negative. We've been looking at how you do your list lately and trying to think how we could get more of a consistent weekly newsletter. But we thought about that list up until a few minutes ago as kind of a a lost cause. It's it's good for that product still, but not good for anything else. But what you were saying about Nathan Barry got me thinking that maybe that is a good place to uh, to use as a jumping off point for new content or... Um, I, I'm not sure yet, but it could be used as something else, even though that wasn't our original int- intention. When you pivoted the book list, did you let them know that anything was changing or had you already been sending out weekly at that point and to them, they just realized that they were now on your, your weekly list? Yeah, there, there was never a delay and there was never really a transition. It basically just became... There's never like an announcement saying, hey, this is no longer about the book anymore. You know, this is about 
general purpose consulting. Like, like there is none of that. Um, however, I do think if you're saying that there's been a lot of, um, del- you know, if, if they haven't heard from you for a while and people did explicitly sign up with the intention of getting software and it's been a while since you've contacted them, I would just send like one email that says, you know, hey, like we have a lot of advice on how you can, you know, you bought the software because you wanted to uh, create more valuable clients who le- who stuck around with you longer. Like we're going to talk to you now. Like we want to move this to be more holistic, you know, less about just that part of your business and more about how you get these clients to pay you on a monthly basis or, or how you set up retainers or how you do whatever. Um, we're going to start sending you content each week or each month or whatever your interval is. And um, we just want to let you know, here's the first one. If you don't want this, that's fine. There's an unsubscribe link at the bottom. Like for the longest time, I had a little disclaimer at the top of my each newsletter that said like, you're, you know, you're getting this because you bought a book of mine or you opted into my newsletter. Like if you don't want to get this anymore, there's an unsubscribe link at the bottom. And I did that for a while. And that worked, that worked great. You, you're sending emails every single uh, week. And for me, uh, as, a, as a founder, that almost seems like a daunting task. I'd be curious to know how far in advance you're creating this content or what your process looks like. It's pretty much just in time. I mean, I typically, I'm going to be sending one out tomorrow and I wrote it on Monday. So typically, I just schedule... Like I set aside Mondays to be my writing day and I write it then. Um, I mean, it, it gets easier over time. You know, as you write more, it becomes less of like a, a difficult thing to do. And, and secondly, a lot of my call to actions on my newsletter are reply and tell me about some specific problem that you have. And one, you're able to quote those responses and use them to kind of lead into another email, you know, into another email. So, like a third of the email could be just a copy and paste like question that somebody asked you um, about something. I haven't done that, but I used to do that a lot. That's cool. You're crowdsourcing your content essentially. Yeah. And what's great about that is it allows you to, um, um, it really allows you to understand how people word their problems, which then, I mean, if you're using it, like, let's say you're using this list to help you solve problems and you ask people point blank, like, what sucks about pricing? Like, what's keeping you from charging more? The responses I got allow me to understand how people phrase that problem themselves. And then I'm able to kind of normalize that over time and recycle it all back into my marketing. So all of my marketing is a direct response really to what people have told me over email. Very nice. I mean, it sounds like it's an essential um, part of your business that everyone sh- should be fostering in their own. Uh, definitely. I mean, people, ex- I mean, even if you're building software, like typically most software types think, you know, I mean, <laughs> the extent is we're help, we're building sexy wrappers around credit, you know, credit operations, like saving the database, right? Like, but people are buying because they want to have a better business. So if you can really peel back the layers and understand why, um, you know, why do they want, like, what about this better business appeals to them and how does your software or your book or your video course or your newsletter or whatever fit into that? 
Um, that is such an, an important thing that I think a lot of us miss. Like we don't understand that. Um, and, and I was guilty of this. Like I resisted for the longest time writing a book until I realized people buy my book for the same reason they buy my software because they want to have a better consulting business. And my software helps them do that in one way, but the book helps them do that in a totally different way, but a complementary way. Probably a lot of times a more powerful way. Uh, it's a lot more direct, right? Like if you're, if you write a book on pricing, they can, the, the feedback loop is much sooner than like with a project management app that could maybe make their business better over the long haul. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, with the book first, I've told you this before, but the W freelancing rate book, uh, pushed us to charge way more on a client project, which extended our runway by months. And, um, there's no software I can think of that would have pushed us to do something differently that would have changed the business that much. Exactly. Um, That's, and I think the more, I think that with the whole advent of this whole concierge movement of software, I think it'll be much more educational. Like one thing I love about Infusionsoft is each week they have like a customer mastermind webinar that you can join. And the whole thing is like, it's like a a weekly mastermind where you can go and say like, this is my business and this is my problem that I have. And there's somebody from Infusionsoft on the call who can say like, well, let's talk about ways that our software can help, you know, help you with that problem. And, And here's how, and here's why. And there's so like, it's so much more than just, you know, if conditions, right? Like it, it's becomes very much a big, um, it becomes educational, but the software is a way to kind of automate or facilitate the execution of that, that information. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, just to wrap up, if you, if you were starting everything all over again and specifically talking about the list that you run, how they've changed over time, the products you launched, what would you do differently? Would it be different products launching first? Um, doing the, the weekly newsletter first, what would have set you on a better track? Um, so I would have definitely started with a quick win, like an ebook. I wouldn't have done SAS, like building a SaaS first while it's successful these days was probably the, like one of the biggest, you know, mistakes that I made. So I would have started with a book. And I would have started with actually I probably wouldn't even start with a book. I would start with like a like a group webinar type thing or, um, you know, something that doesn't require me going into any sort of echo chamber, right? like where I can have something that people can quickly consume that doesn't require a lot of upfront time that I can start building up and, and delivering value. Like the whole goal is value exchange value in the form of them give us money. We give them betterment of somehow. Um, I think there's books are a little harder, you know, I mean, nothing compares to like building a SAS, but even, you know, books can be a lot more upfront uh, or upfront effort than doing like a live workshop. So case in point, I did a workshop with Patrick McKenzie that we did as a live go to webinar thing, like an all day event. And we're now converting that to a downloadable product, just taking the videos of, of this event we've done a few times 
and packaging them up into a like self-serve, go plug in your credit card, buy it, get the videos and leave uh, product, which, you know, that's, we all want the waking up with people paying us who we've never met. And it's a lot easier to go, don't go directly there. Go first with the higher touch, almost like group coaching or consulting or whatever, like path. And then um, find ways to make it more transactional and more automated. And going back to when you started, you had pretty much no list, right? Like most of the people listening right now, how would you go about doing something like that first when you don't have a following? I would borrow other people's audiences. Um, One way to do that is to um, guest blog. And a lot of guest blogging are going to, or guest blogging opportunities might want to see what you've written. So just start writing, even if it's not to anyone yet. And, you know, the whole, like, the thing I like about guest blogging or going on somebody else's podcast or um, doing some sort of collaborative thing is that you're able to really siphon off somebody else's audience. So, um, yeah, I mean, what typically happens for me is, like, when I go on a, like, the freelancer show podcast, people, like, they did a, they did a lot, they put a lot of effort into getting their own audience and me going on that podcast is going to siphon some people off to go join my, my audience also. So that's one of the easier ways. It's a lot easier than, you know, hoping that Google will shower you with organic love and, you know, send you a lot of traffic to get, you know, an audience that way. So yeah. I would produce good content, share it, and um, ask for the sale. Like ask for people, not just the financial sale, but ask people to share your content. Um talk to your audience, get to know them. Like there's so many, so many of my customers I know on a really now an individual basis and it's done nothing but benefit both me and them. So I wouldn't try to look like you're some, you know, out of touch, big, whatever, when you're not like just produce good content and you don't need to be an expert. You just need to be better at the people or, a little better or have done more research than the people who you're trying to write for. And that's typically really all it takes. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on today, Brennan. This has been extremely helpful. Not a problem. Happy to be here. Um, why don't you tell everyone where they can sign up for your list? So uh, freelancersweekly.com is my squeeze page. And that's freelancers with an S. And, um, that's my squeeze page. And, uh, if you go on that, actually, even if you're not a consultant, I have uh, what I call a choose your own adventure style onboarding process, which is now actually converting 30% of all new opt-ins are buying one of my products within the first week, which I'm really happy about, Wow! Uh, especially since I'm doing some paid acquisition now. So it's definitely uh, worthwhile. Um, anyway, if you want to just join and just, if, if, if it's just a look at how I'm doing that. Like, um, I'm basically self-segmenting people into what, what are the, what's the biggest problem in their business? They click a link and then it's going to tailor every future email to get around that problem. So I've been doing that now and it's worked out very nicely. Great. And I, I just got to say through listening to all this, it may sound like all you're doing is selling with that list, but it's one of, um, two or three, uh, you, Patrick McKenzie and probably Amy Hoy that when they come in, I stop everything and I read it. And most other ones either get deleted or saved for later and then never read. But and, and we're not even consulting, but there's still so much value in it that can be applied to products, consulting, anything. So 
there's a lot more than just paid products. There's tons of value there. And that, that's another, like my rule of thumb is any email I send, if you were to strip away anything salesy, which I don't even, like a lot of my call to actions do not include a product of mine at all. Um, I think that whatever you're sending to people should be, like even with nothing promotional, like they should get value out of it just with the free content you're giving away in that email. Like that That's my rule of thumb. Like, you know, even if I wasn't selling anything, people should get to the end of that email and say, it was worth the time I took to read that. And then the value prop becomes, hey, well, you know, give, give me time and money and I'll give you even more value in exchange. And that's like sales 101, I think. Yeah, well, you're nailing it. <laughs> thanks. But thanks for coming on. This has been really good. Um, yeah. We'll talk soon. Cool. Thank you. If this world were 